Well, I have the privilege today to have uh, Drs. Mary Hall and Dr. Suzette Cottle here representing medical education leadership at Atrium, and I wanted their perspective on our responses from a medical education division uh, during this COVID-19 outbreak and pandemic. Uh, Dr. Hall and, and Cottle, thank you. And would you mind sharing a little bit about who you are and your current role, a little bit of background? Yeah, thanks, Saj, and thanks so much for having us on. Um, I am, this is Mary Hall. I'm the Chief Academic Officer in charge of Education and Research at HM Health, and really appreciate this opportunity to speak about um, all of our learners, faculty, and um, teammates, and um, and I'm a family physician, still seeing patients in this um, of time. So, Suzette? Hi, I'm Suzette Cottle. I'm the designated institutional official for Carolina's Medical Center, and that means that I uh, work at the institutional level with all of our um, medical and dental residencies and fellowship programs. I also really appreciate the opportunity to share what we're doing today. I am a pediatrician uh, by training, and I've been uh, with Carolina's Medical Center for the past 29 years um, in various roles, in this role for about four years. Excellent. And, 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 and Dr. Hall, how long have you been with uh, Atrium? I've been here for 33 years. I came here straight out of after fellowship, wow. and I've seen us change so much. And um, the greatest fun, I've been in this role since 2011, and it's just really fun to get to know all the disciplines, all of our um, physicians and um, APP and nursing colleagues in every specialty. That is really enriching and a great experience for me. That's awesome. And, and, and so you had mentioned, Dr. Hall, that uh, this is more than just residents that we're talking about here. These are all of our different healthcare specialties. Would you elaborate on that uh, for me? So, and I'll let uh, Suzette note, focuses more day-to-day with residents and fellows, and um, so I'll focus, I'll start by saying, I'll start by saying, you know, in the past few weeks, we have transformed how we provide care so quickly and miraculously. It's amazing how quickly, I, I wonder, we never, the lectures about change management, we almost, um, we just live in it. But in the same way, the parallel is that we have had, our faculty have needed to change dramatically uh, to transform how they provide education because they're doing everything without seeing each other. And our learners have had to change how they learn. Now, the uh, learners might be a little more adaptable, some of this online stuff, than I am, but, um, but everyone is just stepping up, pitching in, and transforming how they do things. So two weeks ago, um, on the 16th, we removed all of our medical students from clinical experience. And we have made the decision uh, just this week um, that all of our UNC medical students will indeed, starting, uh, starting Monday morning, the 30th, they will start a month elective called a, a COVID-19 elective in which they'll learn didactics and um, have incredible service opportunities. But they will not be face-to-face with patients that's as much to protect our um, other healthcare workers to um, maintain, you know, and preserve our PPE and just let our healthcare systems um, address this crisis head on um, and take the students out of that. Um, that's, and, and so then yesterday we made the decision that our ATP students um, will, which, which are from all surrounding, um, with a few exceptions, 
um, very few exceptions, our P APP students will follow the same kind of timeline um, that we determined for our UNC students. So it's going to be at least a month, and quite likely it'll be a second month of an elective. So quite likely it may be eight weeks before we'll reconsider, but for sure four weeks. Um, I just wanted to say, so that's our medical student, APP students, um, and I want to say something about how they reacted to that. Um, but I, but I do want to say, um, our nurse, we also have nursing and allied health students. And in response to our nursing and allied health community, allied health, rad tech, lab science, in, um, response, direct response to them, they want the students that are close to graduation to be in the, allowed to graduate so they can join the workforce because we're going to need them. And so uh, there are several students about to graduate that will be allowed to stay, stay in the clinical setting, but those are the only students and a few um, PA students that will be staying for similar reasons um, in the workforce. Um, I'd like to say how the students are reacting to that, but shall I pause for a moment, Saj? Yeah, why don't we, because, um, and I'll also ask, uh, for our listeners, we're doing this via Skype, and uh, so I'm, I'm trying to get this audio right. Uh, what I may ask, though, is um, would one of you, when you're speaking, just uh, the other one put yours on mute? Uh, because I think sometimes there's background noise, and, and this is, uh, I want to make sure they hear everything you have right. to share. Yep. Yeah. Dr. Cottle, would you like to share a little bit about, uh, from a residency and a fellowship standpoint, the perspectives um, that you're experiencing and, and the efforts that we're incorporating? Yes, thank you. Well, of course, our residents and fellows um, are always part of the uh, frontline uh, providers, uh, and that continues to be the case uh, during uh, the, the current um, crisis um, that we are uh, facing. Um, our residents at this point pretty much are continuing uh, in the same clinical spaces that they have been, um, but their experiences are beginning to shift significantly, particularly those in the ambulatory spaces are um, beginning to, in many cases, be a part of um, virtual visit teams. Um, and different things uh, like that. In a few cases, uh, the residents have, and fellows have already um, begun to shift uh, maybe to a little bit different teams than they uh, would have been assigned um, for this month or the, the coming month. Um, but they continue to be actively uh, involved in um, patient care across the spectrum period. Our residents have been very enthusiastic about um, taking care of patients, um, doing it the right way, and of course they're um, amazing resources and that they're very much on the ground and uh, know uh, how things work, sometimes how things don't work, um, and so uh, they're able to uh, continue to, to call our attention um, to uh, some issues as they arise, period. Of course, it's very important to us to support our learners as learners in addition to um, care providers. They learn, most of what they learn, they learn uh, at the bedside, but there is more um, to that education and there are nuances uh, that uh, they begin to appreciate through discussion. Um, and of course, the aspects of supervision uh, remain really important. So we continue to very closely monitor what's going on with our residents, um, what type of 
uh, education they're getting, um, as well uh, as uh, the supervision that they're receiving in the clinical setting period. Our national accrediting organization for most of our um, programs is the ACGME, the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education. And this organization's been very active in um, keeping in touch with all its constituents. Uh, we do have some guidance uh, from the ACGME um, about adjusting education uh, in this situation. Uh, so uh, Dr. Hall alluded to our learners are continuing to learn, um, continuing to participate in didactics, but it's in a little bit different way. Uh, they're doing some distance learning in terms of the academic uh, and, and um, non-clinical uh, aspects of their learning. Um, and uh, from the standpoint of, of clinical care, um, we are making sure if, if they are, uh, if their responsibilities do shift, um, that they uh, continue to get the proper training and information uh, to do the task asked of them, um, to perform the task asked of them um, appropriately and safely. We're continuing to uh, maintain a focus on um, work hours that's required by the ACGME. Uh, and as I mentioned, um, making sure that they have the appropriate resources they need. We're also very interested in keeping in touch with our residents, so we're trying to maintain very open communication um, as to what's going on and what any of their concerns may be so that we can address them as quickly as possible. Got it. And, and you had mentioned uh, a couple of accreditation organizations and sort of uh, academic societies that help provide guidance. Um, you know, Dr. Hall or, or, or Dr. Cottle, I mean, are, are, are we following those guidelines or are we actually probably more proactive than what's in some of those guidelines? Well, from a residency standpoint, I, um, we're absolutely doing our best to um, not only follow them, but um, anticipate uh, issues that um, may arise and uh, address them ahead of time or um, seek to, uh, to get uh, guidance uh, for uh, issues we anticipate arising. My impression has been that Atrium Health as a whole has been um, very forward-looking in trying to anticipate um, the, the next steps and the evolution of this situation ahead of time uh, and likewise uh, thinking about um, how our uh, trainees uh, may fit into that picture um, has, has been a part of the planning. The guidelines um, are, are, of course, here we are in our roles, that this is our job, but the guidelines are there for a reason. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't constantly look at how we interpret the guidelines to make sure, first and foremost, um, patients are receiving the care they need, our colleagues at the front lines are receiving the help they need, but our residents and students aren't yet ready to do certain things and need the supervision that right. they need for right. reasons right. and um, need duty hours for a reason. So, so we, we don't just follow them blindly. We, we look at them and make sure we're interpreting them correctly, but it's ultimately to keep our patients and our learners safe. Perfect. Thank you for sharing and that. Can I add, yeah. um, Dr. Joy, that, that we, there's a, one more group of learners I just don't oh, want yeah, to yeah. without mentioning. So, please. We have a, a sort of, 
nationally renowned APP fellowship. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. And yep. we, yeah, so and I just want to remind everybody, they are still, uh, actually a new class joins us Monday the 30th, bless their hearts, and they are, they, they have to move here. We recruit from all over the country. They, they're here, they're in apartments uh, and houses, they're ready to start. I just wanted to remind everybody that they are APPs. Right. So even though they're here as fellows and to learn more, they're licensed uh, professionals. So they are able to be helpful. Uh, we still have a contract with them such that they came here to learn. So they will be receiving their didactics in a new and creative way. But they will, and, but there aren't just, we don't have any really uh, regulatory body yet. So the Center for Advanced Practice um, will be watching and guiding, but um, will work in concert with the service line so, so that these fellows can um, be, be helping as they want to do. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 you know, they're just like our medical fellows. I mean, they've completed their training in their specialty of uh, the APP role that they're in, and now they're getting some subspecialty training, but they've got the, the designation of the, uh, the, the baseline body that uh, allows them to function as a healthcare provider. That's exactly right. The one difference is our, that's similar, but our fellows, our medical fellows, cannot perform in the, uh, they're still fellows and need supervision in the field uh, that okay. they're receiving their subspecialty um, training. In. Oh, yeah, exactly. But they are actually, yes. yeah, they're yes. subspecialty, right. Exactly. They can work, <laughs> the internist yeah, or anyone, you. exactly, yeah, yeah. The internist can work as an intern, internist, but can't go work as a GI specialist or can't go work at, while they're a fellowship right, program. Exactly. Great. So let me, not without supervision. Not without supervision, exactly. And I think one important part of that is that um, as we pull our fellows out, um, in some cases, to serve as attendings in their core specialties, um, we do have guidance from the ACGME to look at the amount of time that that involves because it's important to all of us and very important to those fellows that we um, do our very best to not put them in a situation that would delay the completion of their training. Uh, and so fortunately, we've got some guidance on that. We're following it closely. Our goal is that everyone um, be uh, chewed up to finish uh, their training on time, if at all possible. Understood. Understood. In a crisis, what happens with our residents and fellows, I, I would say in, a, in this crisis, We've already talked about the students being pulled away, uh -huh. and they have um, the spectrum of feelings about that, and fears, and concerns, and um, frustrations. Mm -hmm. But uh, for the residents and fellows, I think we hear um, that right now they're experiencing um, all, all the feelings that you would expect from uh, this isolation and loneliness, the same as um, other uh, people who might live alone, to... Um, fear that they'll be used in a way that they're not capable mm. or yet ready to be used in that will kind yeah. of throw the residents and fellows in. That's just a, a, a feeling and a concern I hear um, when they're not ready. And right. I think um, all physicians and APPs and nurses, everyone who are, who are healthcare providers are um, want to help, want to jump in, and are feeling uh, concerned and, 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 and some fear and anxiety about what uh, yet to come. So I think that's normal for all healthcare providers. Oh, 100% agree. And and I, I've also seen some examples of uh, members of the medical education group, you know, residents or medical students or the like, who are chomping at the bit because uh, to want to find a way to help. 
you know, they chose the profession of healthcare, and so they're, some of them are trying to ask, well, how can we get involved? How can we do whatever you need us to do? And that's where the delicate balance, balance comes in, right? We want, maybe they're not ready, uh, but we appreciate their enthusiasm, and we want to protect them. Um, but, um, but I think there are some stuff that they're still trying to do um, to, to, to be a, an active provider in our, uh, in our work. So can I share, I'd love to share a bright spot. Oh, absolutely. An incredibly bright spot. So last week, it's been two weeks since our medical students. And for those who do not know, we have, we are an LC, the accredited branch campus, regional campus of the UNC School of Medicine. So there are 30 third-year students and a similar number, perhaps, of fourth-year students who are here all the time. They come down um, in March of their second year in medical school and start their clinical rotations. And so they're ours. So they actually, the third years and the fourth years, just started their rotations um, three weeks ago. So, uh, excuse me, four weeks ago. So two weeks in, they were pulled out, which was uh, actually horrible for them. Some of them, I know a lot of them, we've encouraged their writing of their feelings and their thoughts. Some of them are relieved and scared and want to be home, a few of them, uh, with families and um, but so, most of them, they came together. We're just overrun by students who want to do something, just yeah. to your point, Dr. Joy. So um, just a quote, um, we were chomping at the bit to join the fight against the virus to finally put the knowledge and skills we gained over the past year to use. Then we received the news. Our fourth-year clerkships would be suspended for at least two weeks, likely longer, and indeed it is longer. So disappointed that our contributions to the global effort to combat COVID-19 would be non-clinical for the time being, we quickly realized that the skills we gained over the past year, teamwork, organization, and knowledge about how a healthcare system functions and the resources that are available for vulnerable people could be put to good use. And they actually, I have a long list of the most incredible work they did in just that first week in response to their frustration that they couldn't jump in. And uh, they actually wrote an article about it. We hope it gets accepted. But um, they are a work, they're joining testing sites. They're um, entering data, doing sort of um, mundane tasks, but they know are useful. And um, figuring out how to help people in the community. So it's it's been really amazing. Yeah, we've seen some of the best of society as a whole, but especially in our healthcare profession, some of our teammates uh, in examples like that, and, and it's, 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 it's uh, so refreshing, so refreshing. Let me finish off with a couple more questions for you guys. I really appreciate your time. Uh, what do you think is the general morale of the team? I know we're about two weeks in, and um, you know, we've not hit our peak yet, um, but we're, we're, we're prepared from what I can hear, but what do you sense as the morale of your teams and, and the uh, folks you get to work with? I think it's very important for people to have spaces to express their feelings. Um, We have talked about the heroic and incredible efforts of all of our colleagues and the the people in the hospital every day. But that's balanced with fear, anxiety, um, loneliness. Um, I think that human beings have the most difficulty tolerating uncertainty, and that is absolutely what we're struggling with. So I think I've heard lots of stories, uh, many of us have, um, and then our leaders step up, um, the chairs of the academic departments, to listen to their faculty, the faculty to listen and be with their residents. And so I think it's very difficult. And at a time 
whenever crises hit, um, 9-11, um, we come together, we hug, we, we, um, when there's um, grief or loss, um, we come together and hug each other and we be with each other. And we can't do that. Yeah. We can't do that physically right now. So it's amazing. So we have to figure out virtual uh, dates, virtual uh, social gatherings. Um, and I will tell you that the Center for Physician Leadership, in conjunction with um, Dr. Riss Miller's Best Place to Care initiative, mm-hmm. um, a group, the subgroup, with uh, the led by Dale Waxman of New Earth um, and Yasmin Moore, we're developing, we're standing up right now, virtual support groups. And we are operationalizing how to reach um, groups of 20 or 30 people to get on and share those feelings. So, yes, it's incredible heroics, incredible strength. I love to laugh. We have to have fun. In the midst of balanced with probably the most difficult thing many of us have ever handled in our lives. So we're trying to stand up what we need to do to support our all of our fellow professionals. Oh, that's awesome, Dr. Hall. Um, Dr. Cottle, do you have any uh, uh, follow-up to the, the morale of the residents or some of the teams that you're working with day-to-day? Uh, you know, being in residency or fellowship training is really hard when everything's going well. Um, and so now um, that just adds uh, to the complexity of feelings um, and, um, and challenges um, along the lines of, of what um, Dr. Hall expressed. Um, despite that, I have been so impressed with the can-do attitude and the um, uh, approach that our trainees um, have had. Uh, they're uh, coming to work. They're contributing. They're sharing some good ideas with us um, uh, about things to do. So I've just been so proud of them um, and the work that they're doing. Um, but it is important to acknowledge this is really, really hard. Um, and it's especially hard when we have to keep these distances that we're just not used to keeping. Um, so I've also been so impressed um, and so proud of what our program directors for each of the programs um, have been doing. They've um, really been staying in touch with their trainees. They've been listening. They've been um, following up with us uh, with concerns that, that they hear um, from their uh, residents or um, and fellows. They've been advocating for them. Um, and then we're certainly trying to respond to that um, and, and uh, come up with uh, solutions uh, as we hear about issues. But but I would just say for any of our trainees out there, please continue to reach out to your program directors, to your peers, um, and, and to us, to your family, even though it has to be virtual in, in um, some situations. But this, this is hard. This is really hard. Um, and it's important to uh, be able to reach out. I have just been amazed at um, the, the, I'll use the word again, the heroics um, already demonstrated. Um, But it's normal to not feel heroic all the time and uh, just really want people to feel 
okay about reaching out um, yeah. as a sign of strength. Sure, sure, absolutely. And and I think the other family I would include is the Atrium family. I know you mentioned colleagues and friends, but really we're we're we're, we're here for you and uh, and our learners at all levels. Uh, and I would I would argue that uh, as physicians or anyone in the healthcare field, we're continuously learning. So all of us. I need to recognize that we are this atrium family. Um, all right, so last question for you all. All right, what advice can you provide for that team for these next coming weeks? One thing I've started doing is taking each day at a time. Mm. And <clears throat> I think we work for an amazing organization, to your point, um, Dr. Joy. And I think we've been ahead of, we've gotten on board, made massive changes. Uh, and we have to look to the future, but I, I think it, it um, can be terrifying sometimes to have to think about what could be happening. And so to remember to take each day at a time, focus on the fact that it's a gorgeous day outside today, Saturday, um, and to take advantage of the people we love and take care of ourselves. Get enough rest, eat fruits and vegetables. Exactly, exactly. And Dr. Cottle, what advice do you want to leave our, our listeners with? Well, I think Dr. Hall took most of mine. But, uh, <laughs> it was, it was yeah, good. I, I, it was good. It was great. Um, I, but I agree. You know, um, allow yourself to pause and um, take in the good things that are happening um, around you because they are still there and they um, are there in the people who are who are near you, even if it's in um, a, a little bit, even if there's a little more distance um, than we're used to. So, you know, take, allow yourself to take the time um, to appreciate that um, and to share those moments with other people. Well, with that, I want to thank the both of you, Drs. Mary Hall and Dr. Suzette Cottle, uh, for sharing with us um, all the stuff that we're taking, that we're doing at Atrium Health for all of our uh, learners uh, at every level. And um, uh, all I can say is thank you and stay safe. Thank you, Dr. Joy, and thanks for keeping our community together. My pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this podcast of Get in the Know with Your CMO. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. Please join us again as we interview medical staff members, teammates, and other leaders 